Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. Also, be sure to stick around for the end of every episode where I'm going to reflect on the conversation and offer actionable coaching insights to have a real impact on your life. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. But I wrote a letter to everyone that I had felt hurt by or who I felt some guilt or shame around hurting in some way. And this was such an amazing experience. I felt so much lighter after I did that because I was holding on to so much anger and resentment. And the second I allowed myself to get it out on paper and to, in an essence, let it go, you know, I ripped up the paper, I threw it out, and it, I felt this release within me. But I think it, it's, it's coming to terms with the past. All right, friends, it's Ashley Stahl here, and I have such a treat for you. We have Ginger Marie Corwin. She is the author of the best-selling book, Your Weekly Guide to Bliss. She's also a speaker and a life coach, and I figured who better to talk to than her because she also has such an expertise in love on four steps to call in the one. So whether you're in a relationship and you're realizing it's not a match for you or you're not and you're feeling so ready to call in that person and to have that kind of connection, we have four steps to talk about it. So Ginger, thank you so much for being on the show. Hi, Ashley. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, re- I'm really pumped about today's topic. Me too. And I, um, those of you listening, I was just telling Ginger that it's 530 in the morning in Bali right now. And so I am like ready to rage at the highest level um, (laughs) with lots of caffeine happening. So I'm, and I'm also everybody who listens, Ginger, they know I get really excited about love because I called off my wedding three years ago and uh, realized I was with the wrong guy after a lot of denial. And he was an amazing person, but not my person. So whenever I ask questions on these love interviews, it's coming from a very personal place where I totally understand what anybody else is going through where they haven't found their person. So I'm curious to kind of hear, like, did you go through some sort of journey that got you to really get intimate with these four steps that you've learned and shared? Yeah, definitely. I think I... I had a lot of different relationships when I moved to LA. So I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. And, you know, I, I felt like dating in high school and college was good. I, I always, I always kind of had, had a boyfriend for, for a lot of those years. And I felt like when I moved to LA and started life on my own, I, I kept meeting these, these unavailable men where, you know, I felt like there was initial attraction and we would date or hang out for a while. And then it kind of felt like there was this pattern where, uh, they would at some point sort of end up leaving and I'd kind of have this wound of feeling somewhat abandoned. 
and it just kept, kept reoccurring kind of the same scenario in different relationships. And it really forced me to start to look within, you know, the one thing that all of these relationships had in common was myself. So as much as it was easier to blame or think they were the bad guy and I was the victim, it really forced me to start to look within. And it was this coupled with not being happy in where I was in my job and kind of just struggling in my personal life, feeling really unhappy and kind of searching for more higher purpose that I got put on my own spiritual path. And through my spiritual path, learning to really love and accept myself is how I found love. And I really had to, had to look within. I really had to accept myself and, let go of a lot of things from the past that I had been holding on to blame, shame, anger, resentment, and all of it really stemmed from my early childhood. And once I was able to identify that and and do a lot of different forgiveness work around it and, and self healing, I believe all these things is what allowed me to call in my one. And I was really excited because we ended up getting married in November of 2017. Oh, so more or less, thank you so much. Yeah, great. More, more or less six months after I kind of went on this journey and I really applied these four steps that I'll talk about later in my own life. That is when I met my husband. So I really feel, you know, I can personally say that these steps worked for me and I'm really excited to, to talk more about them. And I hope that my story inspires someone that may be feeling struggling like I did not that long ago in, in this area of your life and maybe under, not really sure why you're attracting the wrong type of partners or why something might not be working or, or feeling so difficult. And, um, yeah, I'm just really hoping that my story can, can help someone else. Mm, beautiful. And, You know, one thing I'm curious to ask you about as we get into these steps is that you'd said something that really struck a chord that I've heard other people say is that you have to take a look at your personal life. And I've heard it before where people will say, well, what are the things you want? And somebody will write them down or say what they want. And then the next question always comes, well, are you those things? And I get that, you know, maybe some woman or man wants somebody who has their career in order, but their career is feeling really disconnected. I'm curious, um what your thoughts are on that? Because I think we all go through rhythms and maybe somebody who wants somebody who has their career together is in a chapter where their career is a bit disconnected, but usually they're really on their game and they're really focused on investing in it and, you know, being their best self that they can be. I think that, you know, life has a rhythm, right? And sometimes we're really on our game in all areas. Other times we're not. And so I'm curious um, to understand attracting what you are and attracting what you want, even in times where you're maybe a bit disconnected from something and working on something, does that mean somebody can't ask for that thing that they might be struggling with at that moment? I'm curious what your opinion is on that. I think that you absolutely should ask for what you want. I also think that in asking, it is kind of forcing you you to look within because I, I personally believe that in a lot of different areas, whether that is with abundance, whether that's in relationships, whether that is in your career, that there can be blocks. There can be things subconsciously 
that you're doing that you don't even know that you're doing that can be interfering with that. So I think 100% one thing that helps you get closer to what you desire is setting that intention because with that intention comes clarity. But I also believe that that clarity with that, it forces you to start to, to look within it. If it's, it forces you to kind of begin to take accountability for maybe your role in that area of your life, not potentially being where you want it to be. So I think a hundred percent, the way to take action, the way to start to make changes is to have that clarity on what you want and to start taking action towards that, that thing. But I also believe with that intention comes accountability, comes learning to love yourself at a deeper level and learning to, I, I think part of loving yourself is, is having compassion for yourself. So maybe you are struggling in love. And one of the biggest steps to self-love is to learn to accept and love yourself no matter what's going on in your life, whether that partner is there or not, whether your career is a hot mess or it's not, whether you have $10 in in the bank account or a million dollars in the bank account. I think it really does come to accepting yourself where you are, learning to love yourself and those blocks in that, those things that might be interfering with with what you desire. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because like I, I think about how my first business, I, I did really well and then I ended up in debt and for the longest time it felt like who am I to ask the universe for a guy who has his career in order when my business just fell apart and now I'm fixing it, you know? Um, and so I think a lot of people right now, it's like maybe they're on their game in life and something's off. And so I'm kind of curious when you say loving yourself, like having compassion for yourself, setting the intention to fix it, I think that's very much the place that I transitioned into was, you know what, I played really big as an entrepreneur, things worked out and then they didn't. And I have compassion for that and I'm going to carry forward with that. And so I'm curious, like what kind of wisdom you have for somebody who maybe is picking up the pieces because I know step one is make self-love a priority in your four steps to call in your person. So I'm curious kind of to paint a picture of when does somebody love themselves? When do they not? Like, what does that picture look like? Because I think a lot of people in life, they have to love themselves, but they don't even realize they need to until a situation calls them forward. Like in my case, I had the nicest guy ever for five years and he proposed and, and then of course I called off my wedding. But in those five years, he was so loving and so generous with me that I never had to love myself when things got rough because he was loving me so much. I didn't even notice how I was towards myself. And it wasn't until I let him go that I was on my own and realized wow, like a lot of people learn to love themselves in situations where they are forced to. And the rug is ripped beneath them a lot of the times they don't realize that they didn't learn how to love themselves until suddenly a situation so clearly calls it forward. So curious for your wisdom on things like this. Yeah, I believe our biggest moments of pain can often lead to our most amazing transformations. And I think a little bit of what, what you were talking about where sometimes one area of your life might not be working. So is it the right time to, to want love or, or is it the right time to set that intention? And I believe, I mean, kind of what I felt intuitively was it has to come back to feeling like maybe you don't deserve love 
if something else in your life is not working or if something else in your life might be struggling. So I think being deserving of love and knowing that you are deserving of love goes no matter what circumstances or events are going on in your life is key. And that ties definitely into self-love. And to me, self-love, I think it looks different for everyone. And it's not something that is boastful or you thinking that you're, it's not kind of an arrogant thing. Self-love is really a learning to appreciate who you are as a person and stopping to search for that validation and external people and circumstances. Yes, it feels really great when, when you feel loved by someone else. But I believe in order to have the most healthy, sustainable relationships, you need to learn how to find that love that you seek in another partner within yourself. Because when you love yourself, I believe that makes you so much more attractive to a different person. And it's the more you love yourself, every area of your life improves. And I believe all of your relationships improve Mm. because you're not looking for that validation. You're not looking for that completeness. You're not thinking you'll be whole. You're realizing that you already are all those things. And when you are all those things that you're looking for, that's really when you are magnetic to other people. Mm. But I believe it's not just a, a one and done thing. You know, you you love yourself and then boom, everything is great. It's a daily, yeah. it's a daily relationship. Just like you know, if you were in a romantic relationship, you can fall in love, but it's something that you have to work on every day to keep the love, to keep the feelings of appreciation, to keep the feelings of romance, to keep the feeling of connection. Those same sort of things apply to yourself. Self-love really is a daily, lifelong journey. Mm. And I believe that there is kind of this initial self-love that's important. But it's really, you know, it is step one, but it's really a lifelong a lifelong practice. And I believe, you know, some of the other sh- steps that I'll share are as well. But this one is is kind of like initially starting to realize how amazing you are, initially starting to recognize and see yourself the way you want to be seen by someone else. Mm, I love that. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of letting go because I have gone through some losses and some grief. And what I've learned about letting go is that it's a repeated decision. It's like when my sister passed away, it was like I let go of her when I saw a book that reminded me of her. I let go of her when I found her shampoo in my bedroom. I let go of her. It's like a constant letting go. It's not just something that happens once and you make the decision and it's done. And I think that's the case with letting go of your past or loving yourself. It's like a consistent decision. And I think a lot of people buy into the belief that if they're going to make a decision to love themselves, that it's a moment where they suddenly start doing things differently. But it's not one moment, right? I mean, that's the point you're making. It's it's a repeated moment all the time when you need to show up for yourself, even when it's not convenient, which I think is really often so what are some signs that somebody doesn't love themselves for those listening who maybe are, are wrapping their head around this? I would say definitely how they talk to themselves, how they talk about themselves. So how critical are they are to themselves? And we're all critical. We all judge ourselves and pretty much more or less most of us all day long. There, you know, I, I catch myself in criticism all the time. 
But I think one important thing is how fast you come back from that criticism. Yes. So if you notice yourself, yeah, if you notice yourself judging yourself, it's being compassionate, recognizing you're in a judgment and realizing that, that there are more positive things to say about yourself. But I think I think self-love and and self-esteem, self-worth, they all kind of go hand in hand, you know, and asking yourself, am I settling for, for relationships that don't treat me well, that put me down? And also if I'm accepting those things, is there a chance, an opportunity for me to love myself more? Because I'm starting to recognize how amazing I am. And I know that settling for someone who doesn't see that or doesn't treat me the way deep down I know I deserve. I think those are, are, are signs of an opportunity to love yourself more. One of my favorite things that um, was said on the U-Turn podcast is from the episode with dating coach Evan Mark Katz. He said, you don't get, you know, we talk a lot about law of attraction and what you're attracting. And so I think a lot of people would say, wow, I'm attracting a lot of men who don't treat me well or women who don't treat me well. And it's like what Evan said, he said in his episode, you get what you put up with, right? And yeah. I think that comes from your self-love. So I think that's really interesting. And I also love what you said about bouncing back quickly, because I do think that in personal development, sometimes we're held to a bar where we shouldn't have certain things. I think there's a judgment where because we run seminars or have podcasts or write books that we shouldn't be having these moments where we're not talking you know, nicely to ourselves. But I, I love what you said about bouncing back quickly, because I think that is truly the trademark of somebody who's working on themselves is that bridge of time between that conversation they're having with themselves that feels toxic and the moment that they let it go. And the smaller that bridge of time, the more work they're obviously doing on themselves. So great. Um, and another step you talked about with calling in the one was making peace with the past. And this is something that I feel so moved by because I know that a lot of people have unfinished business. And so I think as anybody's listening, it's like inviting you to ask yourself, do you have something in the past that you're holding on to that maybe you don't want to admit? So curious to hear what your thoughts are on this, Ginger. I believe that the past is, is something that we replay in the future. It may be different people. It may be a, a slightly different circumstance. But we will take things from the past. We, we take our experiences of the world based on things we've experienced in the past. And then we, we have the ultimate choice of, are we going to let the past replay in the present or in the future? Or are we going to ex, you know, experience the present in the present? So for me personally, I had this this fear of abandonment and it stemmed from, from my early childhood. My biological parents both struggled with their, their mental health health and weren't able to take care of me properly. And I grew up with my aunt and uncle and my, my father, my biological father passed away when I was 10 years old. And my biological mother would kind of come in and out of my life based on things that were going on in her life. And these feelings triggered deep abandonment in me. And when I came to L.A. and was dating, I kept reliving this trigger of feeling abandoned, feeling that I had been stood up in some way or that I, I wasn't enough, that I drove people away. So I had to recognize the pattern that I was creating in the present in my relationships. And I believe that we all kind of do this in some extent. We 
you know, our basis for, for our experiences is what we've experienced previously, but it doesn't have to be what we experience now. And it's recognizing the patterns, the, the the people in your life that have maybe triggered something within you. So for me personally, I had to do a lot of forgiveness work around my relationship with my parents. I had to do a lot of forgiveness work with all the people that I had felt abandoned me. So I remember this one time I was, I was flying back from LA to Cleveland and I I think I'd read somewhere. It it was kind of right when I was starting to, to focus on myself and to focus on, on self-love and being confident in my skin And one of the exercises it recommended was to write a letter to those people that had affected me in my past. It wasn't obviously something that I, that I gave to them, but I wrote a letter to everyone that I had felt hurt by or who I felt some guilt or shame around hurting in some way. And this was such an amazing experience. I felt so much lighter after I did that because I was holding on to so much anger and resentment and the second I allowed myself to get it out on paper and to, in an essence, let it go, you know, I ripped up the paper, I threw it out, and it, I felt this release within me. But I think it, it's it's coming to terms with the past and starting to see the positive in the past. So for me, obviously, it's easier easier out of the situation. But if I didn't have these scenarios that happened in the past, I wouldn't have been so gun ho about learning to love myself, which then kind of inspired me to want to help other people do that. And, you know, all the different products and books and blogs and things that I've been a part of, those all probably wouldn't have happened or maybe not happened the way they did if I hadn't experienced pain in the past. So learning to see the past as an opportunity for you to experience growth in the present and learning to come to pass with it, coming to peace with it through forgiveness, through releasing, through what meditation, through affirmations, through EFT, emotional freedom technique, maybe through therapy. You know, it, it could look different for every person, mm. but it's really starting to, to make peace with the past, to forgive the past, to let go of what happened in the past Mm -hmm. and not let it be what keeps you from living in the present. That's so helpful that you talked about writing a letter to people about your experience and about forgiving them being a release for you, because I think I was going to, you know, just follow up and say like, what can people do? Because I know not everybody knows what emotional freedom techniques are. Not everybody can afford a therapist, but everybody can write a letter, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I'm curious, is there anything you recommend people cover in this letter where they feel they have unfinished business with somebody? Is there any topics or areas that they want to make sure that they cover as they're doing this exercise? For me personally, it, it kind of helps to see the person in my mind's eye to kind of envision them. To I think it's important to talk about how you feel, you know, what emotions invoked the what emotions invoke around you when you think about this person or just letting your, I would say it's kind of just letting your heart speak. You know, there's, there's that voice within you that needs to be heard and just allowing that voice, voice to speak, to be heard, to be seen. 
I think that can look slightly different for everyone, whether that is writing all the ways they felt hurt, whether that is writing some of the things that they learned from the experience. Personally, I, at the end, would love to sign them, I forgive you and I release you or something to that extent. Maybe you're like, I'm not, I'm not ready to forgive them. Maybe it's, I'm willing to forgive you. I'm willing to move past this. I'm willing to try to, to move on. Mm. I, I think some sort of like formal statement of I forgive you, or I'm willing to move forward some sort of almost declaration. I think that is important, but I do really feel that everyone's heart knows what it needs to say, what it needs to, to let out. So just allowing yourself to flow, allowing the pen to flow and, and to listen to what's coming through for you. Great. And I'm also curious on this second step, you know, after making self-love a priority, making peace with the past, um, I'm curious also, you know, beyond forgiving somebody in a, in a note like this and doing an exercise like this, I'm curious on your thoughts about how there's so many people who are holding on to an ex. And I know that they could do this exercise. They can write a forgiveness letter or a release letter. Um, but I'm curious what wisdom you might have for somebody right now who's listening and they're thinking, you know, I if there's nothing really coming up for them with their family, maybe they have done some forgiveness or release work or maybe they haven't felt the need to do that. But they miss an ex and everybody they meet, they compare to that person and they wonder if that's ever going to happen for them again. And so I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that or why people hold on to exes. I think holding on to exes sometimes can come from that fear of of having something you believe is great or maybe maybe deep down you don't really believe it's great, but the deeper underlying fear is that you'll never find that again or you'll never meet someone as good. So I believe it, it does come with that deeper fear of, this is it for me. I, it may be even a deeper fear of I'm going to be alone forever. I'm never going to find the right person. And that's really just kind of a, a, a story that you're replaying that you can start to create a new one. But I think, I think holding on to people from the past is because we have some sort of attachment to them. So one thing I, I like to do is is cord cutting. It's imagining that this person is in front of you, you know, picturing them in your mind's eye. And a lot of times just kind of recognizing where you might be holding on to a cord of attachment. A lot of a lot of times it might be you might mentally see that in your heart, you might see it in your chest, in your hands, but you might be holding to an energetic cord with this person. So I think it's important to visualize these cords in your mind's eyes and almost imagine if there was a sword or a scissor starting to cut these cords. And maybe it's the simple attachment, the simple practice of, of saying, I'm ready to release. I'm ready to release these cords of attachments. And I've personally experienced when I've still been hung up on someone from the past that I still had these energetic cords attached to myself of them where I was still kind of linked to them mentally, and I, I thought that that practice helped a lot. I also feel like we can be attached to people from the past because of what they represent to us. Maybe that's a different emotion of, I felt safe, I felt at peace, I felt loved. So kind of understanding what 
what did this person represent to you? Mm, that's such a great question. And when you offer this exercise of people cutting the cords, you said visualize the mental cords or visualize the cords between you and that person and visualize the scissor or a sword kind of cutting these cords. How can that look? Because I know for everybody, you know, not everybody's the most spiritual listening. You know, I'm selectively spiritual. It's like some moments I'm like, namaste in the in the rice field. And then the next minute I'm like, whatever. <laughs> so I'm curious, you know, what is a, a middle ground for somebody who really wants to benefit from this and and they aren't necessarily familiar with that process of visualizing? How can you kind of take them through a couple steps um, a little bit more to help them really do this? Because I love your question. What was it about them? I think that's great feedback for somebody to take with them. It's like, oh, wow, this person... I realized that they made me feel really, I felt really safe around them and I've been holding on to that. Um, you know, or, or that person, I realized that I felt really beautiful around them and I want to feel that again. Mm -hmm. So it's good feedback, but I'm also curious about this process um, of how to let them go. I'm also curious to ask you about sexual healing, what it is and is it even a thing and why does it turn into people maybe holding on to somebody even longer? Because I've had some friends who've had sexual traumas or or whatever have you, and they have a sexual relationship with somebody that really feels healing for them, and they have a story that it's even harder for them to let go of that person because there's some sort of physical magic that happened between that person. It wasn't great sex. It was more like some sort of healing. So I'm curious also, how do we do this exercise, and what are your thoughts on sexual healing? Mm. So the, so I would say the first kind of mapping down the steps to do the, this exercise, it could be as simple as a sitting cross-legged, most of the time when I do exercises like this, I'm just kind of sitting in like lotus, po lotus pose or crisscross applesauce or cross-legged. I've heard all kind of different terms for it. Kind of like it's kind of the seating that you probably sat in in like kindergarten, just comfortable sitting, comfortable seat. And to me personally, I close my eyes and I just start to bring to my mind the person that I feel an energetic cord for. And I know this is about love, but we can kind of have energetic cords with, with different people as well, whether that is our parents or whether that is someone that you feel a certain emotion towards. It, it could be love. It could be anger. It could be annoyance. It could be all different things, but feeling like still connected to them. Like you can't get them out of your mind. You're, you're feeling aggravated or missing them or you know, whatever, it can kind of depend on the situation. But I, I close my eyes, I, I picture them in my mind's eyes, or just think about them. And then I observe where maybe I feel something in my body. Mm. So for me, maybe it's I'm feeling it in my chest, I'm feeling it in my heart, I'm feeling I'm feeling it in my head, almost like a headache or a tightness. Maybe it's in your shoulders. And next, I just just picture a cord of attachment. So just whether that's like a rope looking, whether that is just a, a string or something along the lines of that, just kind of seeing where you feel connected to that person. Mm. And then next in my mind's eye is when I would envision either a scissor or a, a knife or, or some sharp object like that just starting to cut through the, the attachment cords. And I think when you, when you do this exercise, it's also the intention of I'm ready to let go. I'm, I'm ready to release what's still 
keeping me feeling attached to you. Mm, You know, you just touched on something because I was thinking as you were going through this exercise that some people miss somebody so much or want them in their life so bad, even if they're not there, even if the circumstances are what they are. And they resist letting go of somebody. It's like they want to let them go, but they don't want to let them go because they miss that person. They love that person. So I'm curious what words of wisdom you have for somebody who is thinking about doing this exercise, but they're part of them wants to hold on to their person. Yeah, I think there is that balance where when we're trying to move on to the next person, we have resistance. We resist the things sometimes that we know are good for us. It is, I would describe this as our voice of our ego, the voice of, of fear. Again, I think it's, it's slightly fear-based. It's the fear. If I let this person go, they're really gone. Or if I fully commit to letting this person go, maybe I won't find someone else. So good. Okay. Hey, U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Job Offer Academy, our e-course to help you land a new job you love. So if you're sick of applying for jobs and never hearing back, and you'd like to try a free version of our job hunting course, just head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com slash job offer. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash job offer. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Um, And that probably brings us to step number three. So those of you who are tuning in, taking notes, making self-love a priority is number one, making peace with your past, and then number three, change your story. So I'm guessing for people who are holding on to some sort of story, they can change it. And before we get into that, I'm curious about what your thoughts are with the sexual healing. To me personally, I think that we can have some really amazing experiences sexually because Sex is just a a way that we express ourselves. And I think a lot of times, sometimes we can confuse sex with love, like really great sex with just feeling like you really love that person. And I think sex is a wonderful way to express yourself, to, to feel good, kind of asking yourself if you are confusing the two. Are you confusing really good sex with love or are you confusing intimacy? Are you confusing that kind of intimacy with with true romance and love? And I think that you can heal through through sex. I think that it can trigger a lot of different feelings and emotions, especially if there was some sort of trauma or event that happened in the past that maybe you feel different emotions about that haven't fully been resolved. But I think I think ultimately it is kind of understanding if you feel like the sex was healing something if if you, if it is kind of confusing the two if you're confusing what you think was was really great sex with feeling of a love or having sharing this really deep experience with someone and feeling like these these amplified emotions towards them but i do think that that sex can be very healing and very freeing in a way to express yourself I think that you can have great revelations and experiences when you're having sex. And I think it can be very healing and ultimately recognizing that that sex doesn't equal love necessarily just because you have sex with someone and it's really amazing 
it doesn't mean that they're necessarily the right person for you. But what about the healing? Because I know that maybe somebody doesn't think sex equals love, but they felt this like powerful healing. Like, what is that really about? Because I know for some people listening, like maybe that happened for them, but they couldn't find the words to put to it. Like, what is sexual healing and how does it happen or why does it happen or what is it really about? Personally, I don't know if I'm 100% familiar with the term in in the way that you you might mean it. Got it. Okay. So I'm not sure if I'm answering the question no, right. All good. And then number three, changing your story. Tell me a little bit about how can people change their story? Because you talked about before making peace with the past and some people, they don't have peace with the past because they feel like, you know, um, they, I don't know, want to hold on to that person or it was the last person. They have a lot of stories they're telling themselves about that was the one person. And now that they're gone, nothing's going to happen for me or whatever those stories are that are keeping them stuck. So how does somebody go about changing that? I think the first part is identifying what your story is. Okay. And sometimes it's blatantly obvious or clear, but maybe not to us. So, I like to say, if if you're not really sure what your story is, kind of start to ask yourself, what are your patterns? Or are there characteristics or qualities or feelings that are linking all your relationships or a majority of your relationships? So maybe you're asking, well, why do I keep attracting men that are married? Or why do I keep attracting men that just want to hang out and chill? They don't want anything serious. Or why am I attracting relationships where I keep feeling abandoned or, or whatever the story is, it's identifying your story. Or why do I keep attracting men that don't treat me very well or men or women that don't treat me very well? Mm-hmm. And if, if you're having a hard time identifying your story, this is where I would seek out maybe some, some, po- some feedback from someone that you trust, someone that you, you love that maybe might be able to see your patterns in a way that, that maybe you're not ready to see. Got it. Okay. So let's take the woman who, oh God, I'm trying to think of all my girlfriends. The one who attracts men that just won't commit. Like they keep on finding guys and they have all this chemistry and then the guy doesn't want to commit or doesn't want to, you know, fully be in a relationship connection. How would you start facilitating somebody like that? Because I know somebody listening, probably they're thinking, yeah, I keep attracting this or this keeps happening to me. I wonder what that's about. So what are some steps that somebody could kind of take? Let's say if this is the circumstance. The first step is recognizing the pattern, which we've identified that I'm attracting people that don't want to commit, don't want to have a serious relationship and recognizing that a pattern, a story is simply a thought that you've that you continue to think over and over again until it becomes true to you. Recognizing that this story or this pattern might not even be your own. So it, it, you, you probably got it from somewhere else, whether that was society, whether it was from another example of a relationship in your life, maybe it was from your parents, a sibling, maybe it was something that your friends kept telling you of, no, there's no good guys out there. No one wants to commit. No, no, no one's looking for anything serious. And at some point you accepted it to be true. Mm. So since you accepted it to be true at some point, you can always find a story to replace that story that you currently have on replay. Mm. So it's identifying what you want to believe. You want to believe that 
you are attracting available men that can't wait to meet you, that can't wait to date you, that you are in a happy, loving relationship with someone who's ready for a long-term commitment. Mm. So you identify the belief that you want to have, which you can make as an affirmation. So an affirmation is simply a positive statement in the present tense saying something as if it was already so. So the affirmation could be, I am in a loving, happy, committed relationship, and every day it is getting more and more serious, or something to the lungs of that of, I'm in a happy, committed relationship with someone I love deeply. Mm, and so you start good. to say that new belief. And then um, when it, I love what you said about like really catching what you're saying about the situation and shifting it. Um, but I think that there's also a fine line between accepting what is and, and denial, right? Like maybe, you know, like I think that sometimes when people get into mantras and saying positive things to themselves, there's also that feeling somebody might have of like, I feel delusional. Like I'm not in a serious relationship that's going somewhere. I'm in a relationship that's not working out. So what are your recommendations for somebody when they're coming up with, you know, affirmations or things to say to themselves. Um, and maybe they're in a relationship that just isn't that, you know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely do. And I, I would say the biggest thing with affirmations is, or just kind of positive thoughts is aligning your feelings with what you're saying. So if you're saying something, but you don't believe it, or if you're saying something and not stay, saying it with kind of a certain emotion behind it, it's kind of like confusing your subconscious mind. It's, it's kind of confusing. So what I always like to recommend is anytime that you're really doing your visualizations or affirmations, that you get into a positive state of mind. So maybe you dance around for, I don't know, a couple minutes, or you do something that makes you feel good, like going for a walk or, or doing something that you enjoy, like reading or... I don't know, writing or singing or whatever fills your cup, but really getting yourself into a positive state of mind when you're saying affirmations. So it's one thing to say, I'm in a positive, committed relationship. And it's another to say, I'm in a positive, committed relationship. So it's invoking the feeling behind what you're saying. And to me, when I was really doing this practice, I would also try to invoke feelings of what it felt like to be in love or what it felt like to have love, to experience love. And one of the ways to do that was to recognizing all the love that I already had in my life. Mm. So maybe that's going to gratitude of focusing on the love that you have in your life. Maybe that's the love of your parents, the love that you're feeling for yourself, the love of your friendships. And trying to feel more of that love and romance in your life in the current moment. So I do believe, yeah, when you say something and don't believe it or you say something and it doesn't feel right, it's really about kind of getting in that state of mind of the state of joy, the state of love, the higher frequency emotion that really allows you to be more able to attract what you desire with ease. But um, with saying saying it and not not believing it, I would say that, that start with something smaller. Mm. Maybe you simply start with 
I am so happy that I am starting to change my beliefs about dating. Mm. Or I am excited to try out this new way of thinking. Mm. And kind of starting to talk yourself to these positive aspects. So according to Esther Hicks, who is kind of a spiritual teacher, it takes about 17 seconds to for a thought to create momentum Mm. so when you're in a negative thought chances are if you don't change that thought the next 17 seconds is going to be a negative thought or or maybe yeah i never meet the right guys then that turns off into a tangent of i'm going to be alone forever then it turns into i'm never going to meet someone and it, it kind of perpetuates so you you have to interrupt those thoughts you have to recognize when you are telling that old story and it's in those moments that you start to talk yourself up to a more positive thought. So maybe it's, I'm willing to start thinking a little bit differently. I'm, I'm ready to start changing some of my patterns. I think there are a lot of great guys out there. And if my friend met someone great, or if this ginger girl that I was listening to on the podcast, if she was able to this change her. woman, <laughs> God bless her. then maybe I can too. So you start to kind of shift the momentum. So one minute you're telling yourself you're going to end up alone and that you suck. And the next minute you're starting to recognize I'm in my old story again. This story doesn't feel good. Obviously it hasn't got me what I want. So maybe I'm going to try a different way. So good. And it's so interesting. Somebody who's in my career clarity lab course, which is to help people figure out their purpose in the world. They were like, Ashley, can, you know, I'm figuring out what I want to do with my career. Can you help me figure out my right person? I'm like, I'm the wrong person for this. So I'm so excited we have this episode because this is something that I think a lot of people are getting their life in order in so many ways. And this is just yet another way to, um, you know, do it. And I just so appreciate you so much for sharing this information with people who need it. And I know the final part is number four, calling in love. So I would love to hear from you what that means and how people can do it. Because whenever I think of my spirituality, how I was saying I'm selectively spiritual, I'm like calling in love. Like what the fuck? Like what am I going to (laughs) do? So, you know, I'm a perfect case for you here on the U-Turn podcast. You know, perfect little guinea pig spirit animal for anybody (laughs) listening, trying to figure it out. No, I love that. And thank you so much for saying that because I am very spiritual. So at at any point I'm saying things that don't make sense, let me know because sometimes I get in my own, my my own spiritual talk and no, no, I think a lot of people say that a lot of people say that. And, And I've said it myself, like I've definitely sat over a coffee and been like, I'm ready to call in love. But I think everybody listening, it feels so, you know, like, what are we going to do? Sit in a circle and, and do a little dance. And like <laughs> suddenly the person sh- like feels like a rain, ma- rain dance, you know, waiting for the rain to come. Yeah. Um, which, you know, by the way, the rain will always eventually come. So I guess, I guess the dance always works, <laughs> but I'm curious, um, how this looks and what someone can do in a practical sense. So to me, calling in love is the art of, of manifesting, which to me, manifesting means setting your intentions, getting into the energy of what your intention looks like to be able to, to match that or to attract it into your life. So some of my favorite ways to call in love is to get really clear and specific about what you desire. 
So this kind of goes goes well with the last step when you when you were asking me about if someone's having a really hard time letting go of someone and recognizing, you know, what did you really enjoy about that person? Was it were they really kind for you? Did they make you feel sexy? Did they make you feel special? Were they gentlemanly or, or chivalrous or, or whatever you really loved about that past relationship? Mm-hmm. And starting to identify the characteristics that you want in your ideal partner. So I did this exercise before I met my husband. I started writing down the things that were really important for me. And I got clear on what that looks like and some deal breakers. So some deal breakers maybe was I I know these are things that are just, if this person came into your life, you you, you know that if this one thing or or something that was really important to you, if they didn't have it, that that was that, that's just something you know you, you, you probably don't even want to open the door. So I'll give an example. So some deal breakers for people might be if the their relationship, if their partner has children or if their partner smokes or drinks, if, if they don't, or if their, their partner is a religion that they know deep down they want someone who is the same religion or belief or spirituality as them. So things like that, things that you, you just know for whatever reason, this is really important to me. And I don't think that I would want to be in a relationship where that is not on the table. I mean, people sometimes are with people for years and deep down, they know they want to have children and their partner doesn't. And, you know, it, it ends up being something that, that causes them to make a decision if, if they want to be together or not. So thinking about those types of things ahead of time, I think is important of what's, what's really important to me. What is this person? What is this? What characteristics does this person have that are really important to me? Mm. So writing those things down. And I also believe it has a lot to do with feeling love in your life already. So acting as if you already are in that relationship. So how would someone in love act and feel and, and talk about love versus what you're doing right now? Wow. So would someone in love talk about, say, there's no one good out there, they're all taken, or would, would someone in love, yeah, would someone in love say things differently, or would, would someone in love hold themselves a different way? Would they act a different way? Would they talk a different way? Would they present themselves in a different way? And I started doing really small, subtle shifts. So for instance, I would start sleeping on one side of the bed, leaving room for my significant other that I was calling in. I started going on my dream dates by myself before he actually appeared. One thing I think a lot of people put off is doing the things they think they need to do in a relationship. Mm. So if you want to go travel, go travel. Don't wait till you have the right person. If you want to go see that chick flick, go see it. You don't have to have a relationship to go see something or to go do something or to go to a restaurant you want to try. So I started doing the things I wanted to do. I started taking myself on dates. I started going places that I've always wanted to go, but put off. So beginning to live as if beginning to act as if you already are in love. And I would, I would invoke the feeling I would, I would sit and think about what it felt like 
to be in love before I was in love. And I believe that this expectancy, this, this act of certainty is what allowed love to come in. Cause it's one thing to be like, I want a relationship. Where is he? It's another to be God bless us all. If we sound like that. <laughs> I'm sure somebody listening right now is like, shit, that sounds like me. <laughs> It definitely sounded like me before, but at one point it turned into, I know he's coming and I can't wait to meet him. Mm. It was a certainty. It was an expectation. It was a feeling of knowing and trusting that he was on his way to me and feeling that love that I wanted to feel before he actually physically arrived. Mm, I love that. And I mean, I, I also just want to encourage anybody listening, like your list is your list, right? Like everybody has different wants and needs. And it's so funny. One of my best friends, Jason Goldberg, who was also on the podcast the other day, we had lunch before I headed over to Indonesia and he's like, read me your list. And I was like, all right. And I hadn't read it in so long. It's almost like I've changed since I wrote it. But in my deal breakers, I wrote no bad haircut. <laughs> I was just like what was I thinking when I wrote this? And so I think I also just want to encourage people who are writing their list to know that you change and you move with time. So there's nothing wrong with revisiting it if you've already written it before, because, you know, maybe you're okay with a bad haircut later. (laughs) Ginger, this has been awesome. Where can everybody find you? You can find me on Facebook facebook.com forward slash ginger marie corwin instagram ginger marie corwin and my website is ginger you guessed it ginger marie corwin.com i was like i'm seeing a trend here okay (laughs) thank you so much ginger and thanks so much for being on the show thank you so much for having me ashley i had a blast Hey there, it's Ash here just unpacking this episode that we had with Ginger Marie Corwin about how to find the one. And, you know, I recorded that episode quite a few months ago back when I was in Bali and now I'm here just re-listening to it and kind of processing the information and listening to myself talk about how I thought I found the right person and I walked away from a wedding that we were going to plan and an engagement. And I've heard from a lot of you over the past six months who listen to the U-Turn podcast. I've gotten DMs on the gram. You guys are sliding into my DMs. (laughs) And as I read what you guys are asking, like one of the biggest questions I constantly am getting is like, I'm in a relationship that I don't think is right. And how do I know when to stay or when to go? And first of all, it's like one of the most powerful questions like in my body that I respond to when I see that on DMs because I'm like, wow, like I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the right to tell you when to stay or when to go. Um, but what I can tell you is what ultimately was enough for me to leave. And um, I can also tell you how happy I am about the choice that I made now and what my life looks like now because of that choice. So I would say a couple interesting things. Like, first of all, I have a really interesting crowd of friends. Um, and I know some of you who follow me on Instagram maybe see them. And it's been like a really profound experience for me because for a lot of years, I thought that I wanted like a big life, meaning like um, lots of money, lots of success, lots of purpose, lots of fulfillment, a really hot guy. He's perfect, all of these things. Um, but what's been really interesting about my group of friends is that a lot of them have that life. And so I'm kind of immersed in an interesting bubble 
in Hollywood, in LA, of people who have the life everybody thinks is really dreamy that looks perfect on Instagram. And what's been really powerful for me is to see their lives and see who's happy and who's not and what they're getting caught up in and realizing what I actually want. And so I think you can't really know what you want without context. So you have to know what feels good to you to know what doesn't feel good to you. And I think that one of the things I've learned through watching my friends is the ones that some of the ones that have everything like incredible wealth, a really good looking husband. They're really beautiful. They're very special woman. Um, the big house, you know, the vacations, the traveling, the financial freedom, the kids that look perfect. But then when the doors are closed, they're confiding in me that their husband doesn't care about them or make time for them. Or maybe they're worried that their husband cheated on them. Or um, I have other friends who their husband, you know, built a lot of success because he has a lot of trauma from his childhood and that motivated him to have success later in life and that trauma is showing up with her. And so it's not to say that every man who's successful and good looking has a ton of shit hiding in the closet, but it is to say that it's kind of woke me up to like, what do I really want and what does real love look like for me? And because these friends that I have are so beautiful and so generous, they've let me in on their lives and I've let them in on my life. And I've had access to experiences that I don't think I could have otherwise had. And it's just been so profound for me because I'm able to see who these women are beyond their material belongings, beyond their businesses, beyond their kids, beyond their husbands, and really meet them on a soul level. And and really being able to assess if they're happy or if they're not has been so profound for me. And what I've learned about myself is, number one, we spend way too much time trying to figure out what we want And we are constantly looking at what's not working and, you know, trying to figure out what we want because of it or what we should do next. And I found that a lot of the answers that you really seek are already here inside of you and that it really just comes down to looking at the truth of what something is. So in the case of me and the wedding I called off, like I was able to look at my partner and instead of saying, should I leave him or should I stay? I was able to say, what do I know for sure that is true right now? So instead of focusing on what I don't know, just focusing on what I know for sure, the facts. And so this is an exercise I recommend for any of you who are trying to figure out what to do next in a situation. So just ask yourself, what do I know for sure? And I was able to look at my relationship and say, I know that this isn't working. I know that I have doubts. I know that I'm anxious about it. I know that something about getting married feels wrong to me. I know that something has to change. I know that I like I'm thinking about dating. Like I know that I just owned all of the things I knew that were true as facts. And when I looked at all of the facts, I was like, "Oh wow, I the answer is right here. Like this is enough." So that's one thing to consider is what you know and just using the truth of what you know as facts instead of looking for an answer when you feel disconnects. Like don't force an answer, instead just look at the truth and then kind of make an assessment. The second thing that I learned through going to therapy was that a lot of us have like profound connections or people check all the boxes. But when we really look at the experience we're having and what it's bringing out in us as a person, um, it, we're not being who we want to be. So for example, um, it's, it's very much kind of like math. You meet somebody and they're the input and you're the output. And what does that look like? So maybe the person you meet is funny and kind of a risk taker and also really busy. And the output of that person is you being stressed out, worried, insecure. So what I learned is that 
there's certain qualities that men will have that will bring out a different side of me. And it's my responsibility as a person to bring out, to be with somebody that brings out a side of me that I really like. And I think in personal development, um, there's an element of taking responsibility for who you are. So a lot of that looks like, okay, I'm being really insecure right now, so I need to work on myself. And I do agree with that. But I also agree with the fact that sometimes you pick somebody that brings out that part of you all the time. And while you could work on it, they're just not good for you, that person. So um, I've learned in my love life, and I actually am sending you this voice note right now as I'm in a relationship with somebody for the first time in a really long time, somebody that I like love and really see a long-term future with. And it's interesting for me to be sharing this right now. Um, but what I really notice is that this person has certain set of qualities that when I'm with them, my nervous system is so calm. I feel a sense of peace. I feel a sense of home. I feel a sense of love. I feel a sense of understanding. And because of that energy, I am better. I am like the best version of me around this person and in the world because of this relationship. Um, and obviously without the relationship, I can strive to be my best self, but there's something that this person brings to the table in their being. And it's so beyond like checking boxes on a piece of paper. It's so beyond, yes, I'm aware of the things I want, but it's so beyond like a list. Um, and so I would encourage you to start to pay attention to who you are. Um, in the relationships you have and while you can take responsibility for your growth and you can take note of the areas that you're not being the best you can be you also want to notice is that person bringing out a side of you that you don't want to hang out in all the time and maybe that's they're just not good for you so um, I feel like I just said so much stuff I hopefully it got you somewhere I would love to hear from you on Instagram on how this landed for you and I'm so grateful that you're listening and writing reviews on your podcast app of your iPhone means so much to me. The written reviews do so much. So thank you so much. I would love to hear from you on Instagram if this helped you. And ultimately, what I want to leave you with is this. You already know what to do. You already know if you should stay or you should go. You usually already know. Sending you love. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has it on the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, 
I get straight to the point and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.